Welcome to this episode of the Roger Hoover Podcast that is now available on more platforms than before. You know it's been available on SoundCloud. You know it's been available on iTunes. Just go to the iTunes store or the podcast app, search for Roger Hoover. You can hit subscribe right there. And now, for the first time ever, the Roger Hoover Podcast is available on Stitcher. So you can listen, you can hit subscribe on there as well. So if you're already on those platforms, you're listening to this right now. So let's go. This is Roger Hoover, and welcome to this week's episode of the Roger Hoover Podcast. It is Thursday, March 24th, 2016, and I'm coming to you from the baseball grounds of Jacksonville in beautiful Jacksonville, Florida, where right now it's partly cloudy, temperatures in the mid-70s, Suns can really play a baseball game right now. However, they are still at spring training, but the ballpark continues to get ready for when the Suns are back in town, and it's been a really exciting week. Here with the Jacksonville Suns, and the biggest changes to the ballpark are happening right now. And the Suns had a press conference earlier this week on Tuesday detailing all the different changes, but just quickly going over what's happened here. Now when you come to the ballpark, you will see immediately the first thing you'll notice is out beyond the left field corner where the grass knuckle used to be, part of the berm that has been replaced. And now that is the Tiki Terrace. An outstanding Tiki Bar is coming in. To the baseball grounds, it has three tiers, and it is going to seat a lot of people. It'll be really the place to be on Thirsty Thursdays to get those dollar beers throughout the 2016 season. The bullpen terrace will be brand new as the seat's right next to the Suns bullpen. Now you'll have swivel-style chairs. You'll have a drink tray, places to put everything. It's going to be outstanding down the left field line. Really, it's just a revitalized area. A lot of changes upstairs as well. The Sundowner Lounge has long been the bar here at the baseball grounds of Jacksonville, but one of the problems about the Sundowner Lounge was you could never be able to look out onto the field from the Sundowner Lounge. You have to rely on the television, and a lot of times our broadcast didn't know what was going on. Now you could still have the TV, you can still have the broadcast playing in there, but it has been expanded, and fans can now watch the game from the third floor, and it is a breathtaking view here at the baseball grounds of Jacksonville, so I know fans are going to like that. The stadium suites have all been renovated as well. Ken Babby, owner of the Jacksonville Suns, is making a lot of positive changes. Nearly $2 million have been privately funding these projects here at the baseball grounds of Jacksonville. So I know Suns fans are really going to like that. Well, the last time we spoke, I was getting ready to head to Jupiter, Florida for spring training, a weekend with the Miami Marlins, and I did have a very good trip from last Wednesday to Sunday night. I was in South Florida all weekend, and uh, what an incredible experience, first of all, uh, getting to work alongside Kyle Seeloff on Marlins.com for three Marlins webcasts, games against the Mets last Thursday, outstanding pitching matchup last Thursday. Jose Fernandez looked very sharp in the first few batters he faced. He eventually did take up take the loss, gave up some runs in the fourth inning. Jacob deGrom, Steven Matz pitched for the Mets in that game, and they were just lights out, lighting up the radar gun as well. So that was impressive to see as the Mets got the win 6-5 to five in that game. I was pretty happy that Austin Nola late in the contest drove in a pair of runs. He had an RBI triple, also an RBI double late in the game as the Marlins made a late charge, ended up falling by a 6-5 to five final score on Thursday. And Thursday was just big for me to get those first major league play-by-play innings under my belts of the spring training game and uh, had a great experience again and Kyle and I really worked together well 
We've been friends for the last few years since he started working for the Marlins in 2013, and I was really happy with how not only the broadcast on Thursday, but also on Saturday and Sunday turned out as well. Just to go over some more details of my week on Friday, I had a great opportunity to go to the minor league fields at the Roger Dean Stadium Complex and spent a lot of time with Suns manager David Berg, hitting coach Rich Arena, and also the pitching coach Storm Davis, and also got to talk to uh, other members of the staff like Coach John Pichot and trainer Cesar Roman. Uh, caught up with the Marlins player development staff, Mark Littman, Brad West have always done a great job of getting me prepared for the season knowing what Suns players were going to have, and I got to watch a lot of them during some of their workouts in the mornings. And then in the afternoon, I had a great opportunity to watch not only uh, a lot of former Suns play in the AAA game, but there were four games going on at once between the Cardinals and the Marlins. Basically, you had every level on a different field, AAA versus AAA, AA versus AA, high A versus high A, and then single A versus single A. Also, shout out to Kevin Randall, Smoke Randall, the manager of the Greensboro Grass. Hoppers. Great to catch up with him and talk some baseball as well, but it's kind of fun. Four games going on around uh, one central location. It's like a cloverleaf. You have the four different fields all in the back part of the complex and got to watch a lot of baseball, got to see a lot of good pitchers, and I think as we continue to get ready for the season, we're getting close to opening day. Actually, when the podcast comes out, we are now two weeks away from opening day here at the baseball grounds. And we're going to see a lot of good pitching for the Suns. We don't have an official roster just yet or anything like that, but some of the projections I've seen and just some conversations have led me to believe that starting pitching is really going to be the strength of the Suns early in the season. And if you followed Southern League Baseball the last few years, you know that the teams that have good early pitching always do well in the first half. So that's a very encouraging sign for the Suns moving forward. Saturday in Jupiter was interesting in a lot of ways because we had the threat of bad weather all throughout getting ready for that game and it was also fun before Saturday's game to catch up with Christian Yelich on the field and also Joe Frisero of MLB.com who covers the Marlins and he'll be the interview that we'll have coming up in just a few minutes. But great to talk with Christian Yelich. He's in good shape. The next day after I talked to him, he had three hits in the game against the St. Louis Cardinals. Is really starting to feel like himself, but definitely somebody that I've stayed in touch with uh, since his Jacksonville days. And even with the large contract now and being an established Major League star, Christian Yelich is the same guy I met when he first made it to Jacksonville early in 2013. So great to catch up with him. The game against the Tigers and the Marlins was interesting because it only went two innings in the really – last inning and a half of that game were played under pretty heavy rain, but Adam Conley, starting pitcher for the Marlins, and of course a former Jacksonville Sun, he struck out all six batters he faced and really solidified his spot in the rotation. He still needs to do well over these next few starts with the Marlins as we get closer to the start of the regular season, but uh, he was very impressive. He looks to be the number five starter for the Marlins as the rotation is starting really to take shape for the Marlins. We know Wei-Yin Chen will start an opening day, Jose Fernandez will follow him, and and then we'll also see Tom Kohler. It looks like to this point Jared Kosart will be the fourth starter. Then you have Adam Conley as the fifth starter for the Marlins. So a lot of former sons in that mix. And it really was great to see Adam Conley do a masterful job against the Detroit Tigers in two innings. And that's all we got to play. I was lucky enough to get to broadcast all two of those innings. Kyle Seeloff was right about to take over for the top of the third when they put the tarp on the field. And there was no more baseball on Saturday. Sunday. 
Again, a threat of bad weather all throughout, but we were able to get the game in between the Marlins and the Cardinals, and it was the only Marlins win I saw. It actually snapped a five-game losing streak for them, but Christian Yelich had a good day. Derek Dietrich had a good day. Giancarlo Stanton was starting to look like himself. Uh, a very enjoyable game as the Marlins were able to beat the Cardinals 5-2 to two in that contest. And so that was just an outstanding weekend in Jupiter. Everyone with the Marlins was so nice and so accommodating. I really want to thank their media relations staff, everyone in the broadcasting department. Uh, Glenn Geffner wasn't there during the time I was down there, but he and I stayed in touch throughout all the days I was there. And then also on Sunday, great to catch up with the Hall of Famer, Dave Van Horn, who won the Ford C. Frick Award in 2011. Had a great chance to catch up with him and also Bill Beck, who is um, – now, a special assistant to the Marlins owner was the traveling secretary for the Marlins and uh, also will do some of their webcasts with Kyle Seeloff as the spring training season will come to a close. Also want to say that Alabama women's basketball is done for this year. The Crimson Tide fell to Tulane last Wednesday in a very tight contest in New Orleans. I'd like to thank Tim Grubbs for filling in for me on that broadcast on the Crimson Tide Sports Network. But tough to see the season end for the Crimson Tide. I think a lot of positive steps were taken for Coach Curry's program in the third year she's been in Tuscaloosa. Now I'm really looking forward to getting back to Tuscaloosa for year four coming up next year. And overall, heading to Tuscaloosa. Later tonight, getting ready for Tennessee against Alabama in college baseball coming up tomorrow night as SEC Network Plus will have the broadcast for the Friday night game of the series and then the SEC ESPN Network will have the broadcast on Saturday and Sunday with Dave Neal and Chris Burke. But once again, I'm teaming up with former Tide standout Lance Cormier and also a former longtime major leaguer. He and I will have the broadcast along with our outstanding sideline reporter, or dugout reporter, I guess you say, in baseball, Hannah Chalker, who I got to work with earlier this season in basketball. She will be roaming the dugouts for us and getting us a lot of good stories as well. So I'm really looking forward to that. Of course, Tennessee and Alabama. I'm a Tennessee alum. I've worked the last couple of years at Alabama. I know both of these programs really well. And just to get to be a part of the broadcast for tomorrow night is going to be really special. I think we're going to see a great game. Zach Warren, the starting pitcher for the Volunteers has really taken over as the ace of that Tennessee staff and he's getting better and better every start. Jeffrey Bramblett has been an established starter for the Crimson Tide on the mound on Friday nights. He did well against LSU in his last start at Alex Box Stadium and it's just going to be a great Friday night matchup. You always want to do the Friday night game if you're only going to get to do one broadcast of an SEC weekend series. So I'm glad it worked out that we'll have the Friday night game for you on SEC Network Plus. And speaking of SEC Network Plus, not only will I do Tennessee, Alabama coming up on Friday, but on Saturday and Sunday, I will make my way back home, you could say, to Knoxville, Tennessee, and will be a part of the SEC Network Plus broadcast of Tennessee softball against Mississippi State. Once again, we'll get to team up with Raven Siobhan, and it will, that should be a lot of fun as Tennessee had a tough weekend against Florida last weekend, but a chance for some wins against Mississippi State as the Volunteers keep building their young team, coached by Ralph and Karen Weekly. So it's going to be just a great weekend of baseball and softball. It'll be the last college sports I'll get to do coming up before the professional baseball season. But what a way to finish it with some really great SEC matchups between Alabama and Tennessee in baseball and also Tennessee and Mississippi State in softball. 
Other than that, other than being very busy and having a lot of time coming up on the road this weekend, uh, that's about all that's going on. A lot of a lot of things in Jacksonville getting finalized for this upcoming season. Uh, not only the ballpark upgrades, but from a media standpoint, we have the broadcast team in place. We'll have details on that next week. We'll have a new radio station to announce for the Suns next week as well. And uh, we're just getting closer and closer to the start of Jacksonville Suns baseball. Hopefully we'll be able to talk some good people coming up from the Florida-Florida State game. And maybe that's what next week's episode will be all about. Some dispatches from the Florida-Florida State game. Joe Frasero is my guest today. And this is an episode that also ran on the Jacksonville Suns podcast. But Joe has done an outstanding job covering the Marlins. He has really been the go-to beat reporter for the latest breaking news on Twitter and also uh, MLB.com, and you can find his work on the MLB at-bat app. It is baseball of all the major sports is the easiest to follow with that app. Just everything is organized in such a great way and such great sports running as well. Coming from Joe Fracero, he really knows the Marlins organization like no other writer. So had a chance to catch up with him, and let's hear our conversation with MLB.com's Joe Fracero. Well, Joe, how you doing? How's spring training treating you? Doing great, Rock. How you doing? You know, everything's everything's been real smooth. The uh, guys have kind of been locked in, and we're getting close to the end, so guys are getting a little antsy to see how the roster and everything finals, finalizes. What have you noticed so far about the Marlins and some of the game action they've had this spring? Well, I, you know, normally I don't pay a lot of attention to results because you don't really know what you're looking at because everyone's kind of working on something different. They're not game planning for each other. But, you know, what I'm kind of noticing is kind of a culture here that Mattingly is putting in place, which is, you know, kind of this process-oriented. It's not any quick fixes. You know, they're, they're obviously targeting players to improve in certain areas of the game. And, uh, you know, if you're looking at the box score and you see a guy one for four, you, you may not truly see what they're doing. They may have been taking more pitches than normal. They may have actually, you know, were looking only hit a breaking ball that bat and maybe didn't lay it off a fastball that was hittable. You know, they, so there's a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes, which fascinates me. It's more inside baseball type stuff. <laughs> but, um, but for this team to improve and get better, uh, you know, and build a stronger foundation, get better, not just for now, but the future. A lot of uh, what they're working on now is going to have to kind of come to fruition. And everyone talks about how when the spring training started, Don Mattingly really helped set the tone, had a really inspirational speech that got everybody fired up, and it seems like he's very organized as well. Yeah, I mean, this is, you know, it's Don Mattingly. I mean, he brings that name alone, you know, brings so much credibility, so much respect. And, uh, you know, I didn't, you know, I covered the Dodgers when they played the Marlins, but I really didn't have any dealings with Don Mattingly. And so as we get to know him, you can just see he's an impressive man. You know, he's, he's he handles all uh, that we do from a media standpoint. He handles that, you know, with such a, you know, uh, an air of confidence and, and, you, and you see what he brings. And to the players, I mean, this was, it's no secret, last year was, was kind of a mess here and, and, you know, it didn't end real well. I mean, they did play better at the end to the credit of Dan Jennings and, and, that, and the players themselves were rallying late, but, you know, there was a lot of disappointment in 15 and all that's kind of forgotten right now. And it is completely a fresh you know, slate and and so you know he and the part of that is Don Mattingly. I mean, there is a very 
you know, a seasoned and proven coaching staff here. And the starting rotation, of course, begins really with Jose Fernandez. What have you made of his spring so far and how also the Marlins are trying to space him out a little bit, really have him ready for the long haul in 2016? Well, well, you know, Jose Fernandez is electric. He's special. He's His stuff's as good as anyone in the game. He has the potential to be the best pitcher in the game. But we saw the other day when he pitched, you know, four innings and, and was it three and two-thirds, I think it was, against the Mets. He was electric through the first two. I think he threw like 17 pitches, yeah. had four strikeouts. You know, it was just the stuff was electric. A guy gets on base and the inning unraveled. So, as, as you know, it's not a two-inning game. It's not a four-inning game. It, it's a process of building Jose over to be able to go the innings range that they're talking about, that 180. And for him to kind of slow himself down and not wanting to win a Cy Young in in March, you know. And so he's, you hope it all goes in the right steps. And sometimes, you know, getting, you know, some hard lessons in spring training is sometimes the best things for you. Because if he had only, you know, seen success, you know, you may not handle the adversity as well when when the games count. But I see simply with Jose, leave him be. Let him iron things out and let it take its course. He's he's so good. He's so talented. He's he's such a good person. He's so dedicated. He wants it so badly. But I think you know the hardest thing for baseball people in a in a high speed culture is to slow it down and let you know we're not in September and October yet. Let's you know kind of get there the right way. And I think as soon as Jose can do that, he'll start becoming a Cy Young caliber guy. Yeah, he really anchors the rotation, really anchoring the offense for the Marlins once again is Giancarlo Stanton. Missed a little bit of time with a sore knee, but now looks like he's starting to get back to normal. Yeah, yeah, obviously just keep him on the field. You get the at-bats, keep him on the field, the results will, will happen. That, there's really only one number with him or, or two if you want to you know, break it down, plate appearances or games played. I mean, the numbers will be there. You know, it's, it's shown there's just in that, in that body, in that, in that frame, in that skill set, there's just so much talent. You know, he's an MVP caliber player. We just have to have him on the field. You know, that's as simple as that. He knows that he gets frustrated when he's not in the lineup, and he knows that the expectations on him are enormous. But he's locked in. And, you know, I, I spoke earlier about Mattingly setting kind of that process. Let's calm it down. Let's let's do things right. That's almost Stanton's personality. It's almost like they've taken on the personality of their best player or the face of the franchise player. And that is, you know, we, we haven't proven anything. We don't need to be doing a lot of talking. You know, we, this has been a rough few years, for, to say the least. Right. And unless it's kind of shut up and play baseball. And, and that's where Stanton is. And like I said, I feel that the approach from the front office, the coaching staff, almost mirrors him. And also, when you look at the Marlins, uh, the position player-wise, it looks like the bench is pretty much set, and also there are still that competition for that fifth starter, fourth and fifth starter. How do you make out those battles in these last couple weeks? Yeah, let, let's preface by saying there will be surprises. I, yeah. There always are. We we could sit here and think we have the 25-man roster ironed out, and then the last day or two, something completely out of the blue happens and someone you thought would be here. It isn't, and you know, someone either gets cut. That's a surprise, or, or, or knock on wood, that you don't have it happen. You know, you have injuries uh, that happen real, real late in camp as well. But you're right. It, on paper, and the way things are set up now, it looks like, you know, you're looking at either is Cozart in a rotation, and if he throws the way he has been, I can't imagine he won't be. 
but then you have options uh, on players. You know, Will, Will Connolly, who's pitching today, who's been so good, if he falters a little bit in these next week and a half, two weeks, does he open in AAA? Wouldn't be the end of the world, but I, he's thrown so well, it'd be hard to imagine that he's not in the rotation. But a, a kid like Justin Nicolino is throwing really well is also, but he may get caught in the numbers and end up in New Orleans. Um, and also, as you know, even if you're not breaking camp and on that and, and walking the, you know, standing on the line on April 5th, you, you probably there's probably 10 guys in here that will get sent out in the next week and a half that I'll see plenty of and will be in Miami playing plenty of games. Just that's the nature of this sport. So um, I, w- I am. My prediction is there will be some surprises because there are a couple of guys out of options. Uh, real quick, you know, Derek Dietrich's out of options and, and Cole Gillespie's out of options. And really, there's, it's hard to come up with math to have them both on this team at the same time. I can see one for sure, but what if the team doesn't want to lose either? You know, so that means either there's a surprise cut or do they carry 14 players and, thir- and 11 pitchers instead of 13-12? I mean, it, there's always ways. So, you know, uh, so I'm, I'm anticipating to have a few surprises, and uh, there might be a surprise on opening day, whose starting pitcher is. You know, uh, it may not be who everyone thinks it's going to be. So we should know that either later today or tomorrow. Again, visiting with Joe Frisero of MLB.com. And for you, when you get ready for spring training, uh, it seems like riders have a lot of player profiles during this time of the year. Just how do you go about kind of scheduling everything out and really covering spring training? Because at times with this many guys in camp, it can be tough. Oh, yeah. And we've kind of at MLB.com evolved a bit, too. We're more, we're a little more action-oriented now because of, the, you know, before, a couple of years back, I may write more features, right. stories on players that were written probably before the games were played. But now, if they're, like yesterday, for instance, uh, I wasn't necessarily planning on writing about Marcelo Zuna, but he hit the ball over the scoreboard in, in, uh, over in Lake Buena Vista where the Braves play. It was just such a mammoth home run. I was hoping there was video of it, but there wasn't. But I wrote about about Ozuna based on the power, they, you know, kind of use that home run, to exemplify it, and get in a little bit of what Barry Bonds and has been working with him on. So so a lot of it is that. You know, I'll look and I'll see if Connolly throws well. He, he writes himself. Stan, Jose, the, those guys write themselves. But but you're right. They're, you, you kind of pace it along. You, you kind of bring out the characters and the personalities of the players. Uh, you know, on the backfields, if you were there this morning, you saw the Club the Olympics, which I hope you guys talk about in yeah. the air a little bit where the clubhouse attendants uh, had a little bit of fun, kind of break the monotony of the day and have the guys that you know work with these players every day, making sure everything in their lockers are right. They're on the backfield throwing into a speed gun and taking <laughs> batting practice with Don Mattingly pitching. So you know that kind of writes itself on a, on a lighter side. But there's never anything not to write. If a writer ever says there's nothing going on, they're not working hard enough. <laughs> Well, Joe, you do a great job for MLB.com and Marlins.com. Thank you for joining us. Look forward to talking to you again during the season. All right, Roger, anytime. Great to catch up with Joe. Again, insights on the Miami Marlins that you're not going to get anywhere else, and we'll see what kind of surprises are in store for the last couple weeks of spring training as the Marlins get ready for their opening night on April 5th against the Detroit Tigers. All right, I've got to pack up the radio booth. I've got to head to Tuscaloosa, Alabama, but I thank everyone for listening to this podcast, and I hope you can catch some of the broadcasts coming up this weekend on SEC Network Plus, and also just keep getting ready. Jacksonville Suns baseball is on the way as 
as well. Until next time, play the waltz, Roy. I remember the night and the Tennessee waltz. Only you know how much I have lost. Yes, I lost my 